This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, good evening, everybody. How are you all? It's been a while. I feel, I can't remember when I last did this. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Do, if you're here, do listen in. Do tell me what's happening, what's going on with you. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. see what's been going on let's do a, a, a cheeky update shall we um the i suppose the most interesting thing that's been going on uh for me and for school in the last couple of weeks is that we've taken in some ukrainian students and actually my a lot of the families at school are hosting ukrainian families which is which is great news i've got a little girl in my class who is absolutely fantastic Honestly, she she walked in and it's as if she's been there for years. She has slotted right in. She's making friends. And I think the impression I get from her is that she's just chuffed to be back in school. So that's a great result as far as I'm concerned. And uh, long may her happiness at, at school continue. I think we will be getting a few more students in, or at least I hope so. And I think it's important, particularly as an international school, and I had this conversation with my head teacher, uh, not my head teacher, my deputy head teacher earlier last week. And uh, I said, I think it's incredibly important that we do take in students, that we, as a private school and as a school that supposedly is incredibly global, outward facing, all the rest of it, it is up to us. I think even more in a way to set the example and to say, you know, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're, how we're contributing. Here's how we're helping out and putting our best foot forward. And long may, you know, long may that carry on as well. And I know from stories from my deputy head that in, uh, in previous uh, crises, like, like the one that, that the Ukraine, not the Ukraine, Ukraine is experiencing uh, right now. And the, the school has a, a, a strong history of, of taking in, different students from all over the world. So I hope that that is something, I mean, of course, you don't want to ever wish conflict on any parts of the world, but I do hope that school continues to have that positive outlook and continues to embrace people from everywhere because the beauty of working in an international school and being part of that, and I say this to my to my students all the time, is that you are surrounded by people from everywhere. You get to live in a situation and be educated in a situation where you're surrounded by different cultures, different faiths, different food. And of course, you know me, food is a big plus point. I'm forever being bought things by children to try and to taste, which is now that, I mean, I know in COVID times we probably shouldn't, but when a, when a child presents you with something, it's, it's very hard to say no, apart from on the occasions where it looks like it's been manhandled a bit too much. And don't lie, I know some of you have probably been offered things where you've gone, oh, I'll have that at break time, and it's swiftly gone in the bin. Now, 
don't tell me I'm the only one that's done that because I'm sure you have as well. But anyway, so that's the kind of big news. Uh, apart from that, school is absolutely balmy as always. I think it's something to do with spring where as we come out of winter, as there's sort of a lighter evenings, as the clocks change, all the rest of it. I don't know why, but it seems to spark the madness in children. And also I think year five, certainly my year fives, are going through some hormonal, I'm going to blame it on the hormones, I know there are only 10, but I'm going to blame it on that, some hormonal changes, and it is affecting different things at different times. They certainly seem to have taken to, not all the time, granted most of the time they're pretty good, but there are some children in the room who do not take well to being wound up. And then the rows across the classroom that ensue are deeply frustrating. So we're trying to ensure that we learn how to relate to one another again. Because I think certainly in, and I'm going to say post-COVID times, I know we're not at the end of it yet, but more so than we were, these children relating to one another, and I know I say it all the time, it's definitely had an impact. And they just, occasionally, it's like they forget where they are. And the squawking is unbearable to the point where I am that teacher that still allows them to have golden time on a Friday afternoon, even at the top end of the school. I think it's important. Half an hour, and I and I know there's some people shaking their head going, no, you should teach right until that 3.30 bell on Friday afternoon. I disagree. And if you want to come over and have my year fives on a Friday afternoon and try and teach them spag or anything else between three and 3.30, you are free to be my guest because I will not be doing that. And so they, in my mind, they're still learning. They're playing card games. They're making paper airplanes. They're doing origami. They're whatever. But a few of mine decided they were going to play Uno. And this quickly descended into a sort of scenario like when families tried to play board games at Christmas. And several of them came running up to you saying, Miss, Miss N, you've got to, you've got to intervene. It's it's chaos. And I, and to be honest, last Friday I was pretty tapped out. And so I turned to them and I said, No, I'm not getting involved. You're gonna fix it. If you can't play a game of Uno as a group of civilized ten-year-olds, then I can't help you. Now Granted, I probably should have intervened. I probably should have been a bit more of a teacher. But I just, at that point, I just thought, you know what? Nah, sorry. You guys can figure it out. And to be fair to them, they did in the end. Because I do think at that age, they can. And I said, I'm not always going to be standing behind you telling you how to figure it out. And actually, if I leave you to it, you're going to have two choices. You're either going to have to work out how to play together or you're going to have to walk away. So down over to you and I think they took that as well I hope they took that as a bit of a a life lesson but then all the things we think we instill in teachers how much of it actually lands I do wonder particularly on a Friday afternoon this episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, 
podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In England, schools will have to open for no less than 32.5 hours per week from September. At the moment, the head teacher with the governing body decides the length of the school day in England and 14% of schools will be affected. Nadim Sahawi, the Education Secretary, also wants to encourage multi-academy trusts. He said, The evidence is clear that a family of schools that is really tightly managed, really well supported, especially through COVID, has delivered better educational outcomes for children. So strong, and I underline strong, multi-academy trusts is the infrastructure we need to complete and deliver. According to The Sun, figures show that 75% of schools had days that met the average length of between 6 hours 15 minutes and 6 hours 35 minutes. Kevin Courtney of the National Educational Union said schools and pupils had been left battered and bruised by the pandemic and a more sophisticated approach was needed. Paul Whiteman of the Head Teachers Union, the NAHT, said simply adding five or ten minutes to a day 
is unlikely to bring much, if any, benefit. Gillian Mackay, a Lanarkshire MSP, is calling on North Lanarkshire Council to write off the remaining £28,011 that remains outstanding for school dinners. Most of that money is an outstanding debt owed for children at primary school, despite all P1 to P5 across Scotland now being entitled to free school meals. Ms Mackay said, Children can't get a good education if they are hungry at school. I believe that North Lanarkshire Council rightly ensures every pupil has a meal at lunchtime, even if they don't have the money to cover it. But these figures make it clear that debts are being chased from families who simply can't pay. With the cost of living crisis putting huge pressure on family finances, this is the right time to write off all outstanding school meal debt. Pursuing the debt is causing stress and embarrassment for pupils and their families. But I know that staff are deeply uncomfortable asking pupils for money they know the family does not have. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk VPN. For those of you thinking, why is Steve talking about an underwear fashion faux pas? A VPN is a virtual private network, and knowing a little bit about them might make you realise you actually need one. What is it? Well, in a nutshell, a VPN changes how internet data is transmitted from a device. It allows the user to be more hidden. I know what you're thinking. I'm no cyber criminal. Why do I want to conceal my data? Well, let's look at three things a VPN can do for you. I'm going to use a phone as an example, but all of these can be applied to any device you can put on the internet. Do you use public networks? A public network may be the Wi-Fi on the bus or train, a local coffee shop or fast food restaurant, any connection that isn't your home. Transmitting data on these networks can potentially allow your data to be intercepted by third parties. Having a VPN allows you to encrypt your data from your device rather than depending on the network you're connecting to. So, when surfing the web while enjoying a burger and fries, you can be confident if you're being intercepted, the data will be useless to the interceptor. The next is shopping online. When connecting to an online shop, some stores use your location and unique device ID to target you. If you're returning to look at a product, the likelihood is you're going to buy it. Knowing this, some stores use clever algorithms to increase the price to maximize their profit. With a VPN, you can mask this data so the price you see is the initial price. The third is some streaming services are blocked by internet providers or unavailable from outside of certain countries. If you're using a VPN, you can choose where to set your location to allow you to see the content you wish to stream. I've not looked at individual providers. Some are free, some are paid for. If you're unsure, find a friend who's using one, ask them about it, and use the same one as them to begin with. Then you get free tech support. Make sure you know the terms of service. You don't want the VPN you're using keeping your data, as that would defeat the object in the first place. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hey ho, what else have I been doing? Um, oh, I discovered something this week. I'm actually 
in English, I'm having my children write blogs because I thought this would be quite fun because increasingly, they, I mean, they write stories. We've just done a poetry unit, which was a bit like pulling teeth, but they got there in the end and produced some lovely space poetry, which is now proudly displayed outside the library. But uh, I thought, given that we're trying to go down more of a, a tech route, a modern route, I thought, well, blogs, let's let's introduce them to that. And they're all different kinds of blogs that I had to research to sort of show them what, what they are and how, how they work. And of course, on the trawlings of the internet, you do have to be careful, particularly on some of the links you post. And also some of the adverts that pop up as well are a little bit concerning, even with all the supposed safety features that we have in place. So you do have to be mindful of that always. But I've stumbled across because I thought, how am I going to get them to do these blogs? I could just get them to type up a document and kind of make it look like a blog. But then I thought, what's the fun in that? I want them to do this properly. And so I ummed and on and I thought, well, how can I get them to do this in a way that is Internet safe, secure, etc.? without these blogs ending up on the Internet or anyone being able to comment on them that shouldn't? And I looked at various different things. I looked at Google Sites because I know we use that in school for um, our internal staff room and for um, the, the the LE that we send out to parents. And I thought, no, Google Sites is not really what I'm looking for. And I actually stumbled across something called Wakelet, which I'm sure some of you are probably already familiar with. Those of you who are not, it's really fantastic and it's my new obsession. And you can set it up and import your Google Class or whatever uh, online platform you use. And it's basically a secure way that they can create collections, these things called collections, where they can add text, images, uh, links, etc. If you add a YouTube video, you can then edit and change the title so it's kind of in keeping with what you're doing. And I sent them a link to have a go at home just to figure out how it works. And they've been having a blast with it. And you know what kids are like. You give them something like this and they swiftly become better at it than you do. And they're, they're teaching themselves and teaching you things. And how great to be able to use that as part of an English lesson and say, you know, I want you to create something. And our topic is space. So they've each chosen an area of space that they're going to produce this blog on. My only worry with it is that possibly they might end up getting more obsessed with um, adding in GIFs and memes and YouTube videos rather than the writing itself. But I have reiterated that it is a piece of writing first, whether it's typed, you know, even though it's typed. So we'll see where we end up. I may regret my decision there, but you've got to try these things out. You've got to, you've got to see how they work. And, and uh, I also thought with Wakelet how I can use it myself. Because with things like, I suppose, I call TTR an extracurricular, I suppose it is. Uh, it's not my full-time job, I wish it were, but as yet, no, no sale on that one. Mr. Rogers, I think it's it's time to, to ensure we can all do TTR full-time. <laughs> He's just laughing at me. One day, one day, I think so, I think so. I think it'd be a great thing. I think you'd love to have us all as full-time employees. Uh, probably shaking his head in the corner thinking, oh gosh, everyone probably accepts you, Lucy. <laughs> but uh, I thought about how I could use Wakelet to maybe create an online CV where I can actually post links to uh, 
Teachers Talk radio shows, both mine and other people's. And uh, yeah, treat it as an online CV. So I may have a tinker with that as well. And again, let you know how I how I get on. Because in this day and age as well, we have to promote ourselves, even us teachers. The, uh, the boring old CV doesn't really cut it anymore, does it? We're all... We're all sadly, well, certainly the, the millennial generation, we're all kind of the product of, I think it was Labour who wanted to send everyone to university, which of course is no bad thing. I think if you want to go, you absolutely should. But I look back in, in hindsight and I think, because I was awful at school and my my understanding was if you, because I went, I think because I went to a grammar school, the what what was peddled to us was pretty much you go and do a levels and to go to university or you stack shelves which of course we all know is complete and total nonsense and apparently up until quite recently they were still peddling that nonsense as as well but you know hey ho and i've completely lost my train of thoughts to what i was talking about with that but never mind this is what happens to my brain on a tuesday afternoon so if I if I recall what I was talking about, I will let you know. Oh yeah, CVs, that was it. And going to university. See, this is this is what happens. This is why I've got a cup of Earl Grey in front of me. So I'm hoping it's going to make sure my brain does not wander off on too many tangents on this on this show this evening. But those of you that can keep up with me will, you know know that I sometimes do wander off on, on side notes. But yes, I think that there was a time where, and there still is a time where we all trotted off to university, we all came out with a degree, and then we and then we um you know trotted out into the world thinking that we were entitled to any job we wanted. But uh, alas not so much and it took me a long time to actually accept because I came out as a very entitled 21 year old but actually we can accept you know that life goes on and that we have to you know make ourselves more interesting anyway moving on where else did I get to Ooh, I'm off on a trip on Thursday which is quite exciting um I I know you seem to think you must think that I'm constantly just looking for any excuse to get out of the classroom but if you can get out for the day, if you can get day release, I highly encourage it. And we try, and again, this is a privileged position as an international school, we do try and get out every half term on at least one trip locally, locally, I hasten to add. And we were meant to do part of this trip last term and uh, we didn't get round to it. So it's a bit of a mishmash on Thursday in that last term, our, or last half term rather, our topic was Portuguese explorers. And there happens to be, just out of Lisbon, a caravella, uh, which is a type of boat, for those of you who don't know. I didn't know that until I did the topic, so I wouldn't blame any of you if you didn't know. And uh, we were all set to go, and then suddenly we found out that it <laughs> it was going off on an exhibition somewhere else on the other side of the river. So that kind of thwarted everything we were trying to do. And so luckily it's back. So in the morning on Thursday, we're going to be visiting that and talking all about uh, everything. And I tell you what, I can't wait for my children's reaction to the poop deck because that also seems to be a weird obsession that they have at the moment, all things poo related. I'm not quite sure why, but there we go. And then in the afternoon, in keeping with the current topic, we're going to the planetarium. So that should be a lovely day out, which I'm very excited about. And uh, my deputy head was meant to be coming with me and has informed me this afternoon that she is not. But luckily, parents are usually quite willing to get involved. Normally, it's like pulling teeth trying to get 
parents to come on school trips. But for some reason, this year's class, they're tripping over themselves to, to come, which is great for me because they're more than happy to take a group to be in charge. Great. If it means if it means that I don't have to have such bigger a bigger group, fine by me. Crack on. Oh, what other? I feel like this this uh, update section is is very long today, but I will I will get there eventually. So what else have I got? Um, oh, another thing. I endorsed a book recently, which I am very excited about. Uh, it's called Sustainability Education, and this is by somebody called Dr. Stephen Scoffham, and his co-author I think is also a Stephen, but I can't remember his surname. But I'll post all the links to this as part of my show notes later. But I know Dr. Stephen Scoffham through my various travels in India. I actually met him as part of my PGCE. I was very fortunate to go on a trip to India, visit different schools and universities, and that's probably a whole episode, another episode for another time. But I got chatting to Dr. Scoffham, who happened to be on the trip with us, uh, about various, various different topics over dinner. Fascinating guy. And he told me about a children's home in, in Dindigal, which is in Tamil Nadu, which is the state next to Kerala. And over dinner, I sort of said to him, you know, I'd, I'd love to go. I'd love to be involved. I'd love to be a part of this. And six months later, I was back out on a plane and uh, I'm now trustee of that particular charity called Hapsi, which is a, a wonderful, very small charity. We're all voluntary trustees, uh, all either ex or current teachers, which is great. And I've been out twice, obviously not in the last couple of years, but I'm hoping to go out again in the not too distant future now that things are, are opening up again. But that's a yet another tangent. And uh, so Stephen's book, yeah, so Stephen is a geography professor by trade and I, I sort of know about all his work and all the things like that. And uh, his one of his main subject areas is sustainability. And he's very keen to, in this day and age particularly, to get this to be more, to be a bigger part of education, whether you are primary or secondary. And what's fantastic about the book is that it encourages and talks about activities that you can include from EYFS all the way through up to sec up to the back end of secondary and so if you do want to get hold of it it is called sustainability education it's available through bloomsbury press i believe and again i will double check this and there's also a whole load of accompanying materials on a website as well which i will also post so if you want to make use of that i highly encourage it and that is my you'll also be able to find my endorsement there as well which i was very honored to be asked for because uh, it's not every day you get to yeah, endorse a book in education although i haven't got quite as far as being as impressive as the likes of kate jones and writing my own but maybe one day you never know for now i'll stick to praising and promoting other people's um and finally final part of my intro today. Uh, I have been trying to cook more. I know I say this all the time and you know how much I do love to cook when I have the time. And I'm currently, as I will be this evening as well, working through a an enormous roast chicken that I cooked on Sunday. Is it Sunday? Yeah. Didn't quite realise how big it was. And of course I live by myself. So, so far I've had two meals out of this. I'm going to have a third this evening and I may even get one more out of it, but we'll see how we go because nobody wants food poisoning. I also made pizza recently, which was great fun, but I still have not quite cracked my pizza dough recipe. Uh, it either ends up going too crispy, 
but this time it was too bready. So I think maybe when I rolled out my base, it wasn't quite thin enough. And I also find, and maybe this is where commercial pizza has spoiled me, my dough is never salty enough. Even when I think I put enough salt in it, it hasn't quite got the edge of that commercial uh, pizza that you get. Well, say commercial pizza. I'm talking like reasonably good quality pizza, but it always seems to be saltier in a restaurant than when you make it yourself. So I don't know how much they're putting in there. So if you know the secret, do tell me. So I'm dying to know. Um, and yeah, if any of you want to tell me what you're having for dinner, I would love to know. I can see friend of the show Lawrence Perks is in. I can see Rogers is here. So if either of you want to tell me what you're having for dinner or indeed anybody else who's in the studio, I'd love to know because I'm sure it's more interesting than what I'm planning to do with leftover roast chicken. So share and share alike, please. Right. Normally at this point, I would try and play the news and I'm still having no luck. So we are just going to press on, I think, with this evening's proceedings. Now, I'm going to be talking about, oh, Perks, what are you having? You're having Meatball Rigatoni Batch from Friday. Now, Lawrence is a fantastically organized person and he does batch cook most weeks and then has the same meals all week. Unfortunately, I'm not that organized, but Meatball Rigatoni does sound like a fantastic dinner. So let me know how that goes for you. All right. Okay. So, as always, I say as always, most of my shows come with a with a story introduction. And tonight really is no different. I originally posted a, uh, I suppose, a question to Twitter, as I sometimes do, amusing to Twitter about children doodling in class. Because it was getting to the point where some of my children were doodling to the point of not paying attention. Now, a few squiggles here and there on a whiteboard, I can't really argue with, but it was getting to the point where they were doing kind of full-blown Among Us characters, detailed scenes, rather than what I was trying to do on the board. So I thought I'd put this out into the Twitter sphere and see what came back. Before I press on, Mr. Shu said he's having grilled mackerel, perk of living by the med. Well, as somebody who lives in Portugal, Mr. Shu, I can, I can, uh, believe that it is and uh, I hope you enjoy that as well. <laughs> Fantastic. So sorry, losing my train of thought today again. So yeah, I thought I'd put it out into the Twitter sphere to see what people came back with. And then in true me fashion, I went and did some research. And uh, so we'll see what we came back with. But as always, I do want to hear your contributions. I do want to hear what you think about this. I will, of course, read out some of the tweets that came back to me and you can share your thoughts on this as well. And I, did, I didn't expect this to get as much of a, a response as it did. And it's interesting because people feel very strongly in, in both camps. And What's interesting to me as well, as somebody who recently discovered they have ADHD, is that I've never really been a doodler. And people have sort of said to me, oh, well, it's it's something that, that people with ADHD use to, to focus. And for some children, that may well be the case. But for me, it, it never has been. So I wonder, and there's something, there's actually a piece of research I'll, I'll come back to in a moment, because I found uh, something that actually says it's a bit of a, a hindrance. But anyway, so when we think about doodling, well, what is it? 
Doodling is sketches, drawings. Some people have a repeated doodle that they do. And some people are fascinating uh, in terms of what they draw. Some people like hearts. Some people draw geometric shapes. Some people draw spirals. And there is research to suggest that your doodles can be interpreted to mean certain things. Whether you buy into that or not is, is up to you. I think that in some cases it can show how you're feeling and it can show what, where your mood is at or where your brain is at. And sometimes it's just people, I think, kind of splattering onto a page. But you let me know what you think about that as we progress. So um, I'm going to talk about pro doodling first of all and I've done all this research that I've found I will uh, put into my show notes and I'll share the links with you because there is quite a lot of it here whether we get to discuss all of it I don't know but we will see how far we get this evening and please do interrupt at any point uh, interject let me know how you feel about what what we're talking about so this comes from Cyblog and it says doodling the mental benefits to memory and to concentration and it talks about a study and this study came up repeatedly now of course as we're taught well throughout life we need to kind of think about when we're talking about research and preaching to the converted here and i always remember at university my lecturers saying to me think about the research where it was done controlled settings what the agenda is da 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 da, da. So I always have that in the back of my mind when I talk about different studies and different pieces of research that I have stumbled across. But for some reason, this particular piece of research came up time and time again. And it's a study that was done in 2009 by somebody called Professor Jackie Andrade at the University of Plymouth. And what uh, they, she rather, wanted to ascertain was, does doodling help? with memory. And well, you can see what you think on the back of the study. So the idea was that they listened to the participants listened to an answer phone message uh, that was to do with an upcoming party and who was attending. And it was meant to be boring. That was the whole point to, to, to bore these people and to see how much information they took in. So they were asked to listen to the message and write down the names of all the people who would come and who couldn't come. And they're in a boring room with nothing else. The voice is very monotone. And the task was simple. Can they, could they concentrate enough to get the correct information that they needed to? And here's the results. So the non-doodlers, the people who just sat and tried to take in the information, wrote down an average of seven out of the eight target names uh, but the people who were doodling almost all of them managed eight out of eight now of course there's not a huge discrepancy there so mm, how much you can take from that I, I don't know but apparently it wasn't just their attention that was enhanced it was also their memory and it says here that memory can be boosted by up to 30 percent so the, the conclusion from that was if you're stuck in a boring meeting or someone is droning on at you about something incredibly uninteresting, doodling can help you maintain enough focus to pull out the salient facts. Mm. 
I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that one. I don't think that study is particularly conclusive. Also bearing in mind that it is done on adults. And they do caveat this. The, there is a caveat sort of at the end of the article saying, doodling is not a task you necessarily want to indulge in when you are trying to do something complex. But if it's a relatively simple or boring task, you can actually get it done better. Now, the difficulty we have with this is applying it to children. And, uh, I mean, the, there are many, many articles that I found that are very pro-doodling. So, for example, another one I found here, which is from Classroom Management, and they find it particularly helpful. They, this is part of an article that was 17 ways to help students with ADHD concentrate. And there are lots of things here. So this is, again, honing in on, on particular children. And in amongst all the, the different things they suggest, squeeze balls, silly putty, Velcro, gum, don't know if that's ever a good idea, uh, they also suggest that doodling is beneficial for children with ADHD and it can help them focus and it's not just necessarily the ones with ADHD but they can also benefit from it during story time or in a lesson. So that's another pro there for you. And why students in class, and again this is another one from K12, surprising benefits of doodling in the classroom. Keeps the brain active improves memory recall. So several studies have demonstrated that doodling can improve recollection of material a student is learning while drawing. So for example, so for example, a study by the University of, oh no, that's the same study, same study, University of Plymouth again. It also says here that doodling encourages creativity and it can guide the brain into outside the box thinking and kickstart the creative process. Uh, and it's low stakes and it can empower students without fear of judgment or failure. Uh, any poet or writer knows that the fastest way to get the creative process going is to doodle as you go. So for the artists among you, I don't know, maybe it's, it's something you indulge in as, as well. So there are lots of positives here and uh, even more articles. People say it's a memory enhancement. What else have we got? Uh, for stress relief as well. You know, the, the fact that students can get stressed in class and doodling can help kind of relieve their stress and it can help them, you know, to voice how they're feeling, etc. But then where does it become problematic? And this is what I wanted to understand a bit more of. I wanted to understand where the pitfalls are because in my mind and this is going to make me sound like a terrible teacher it's something that has frustrated me when children do it so whilst I, I understand all the things that I have just mentioned and I can absolutely see how they would fit in what about when it doesn't fit in or in my mind where it doesn't quite work and so I wanted to look at some other bits and pieces that maybe weren't quite as supportive of doodling and uh, attitude which is again me going down the ADHD path here there's actually a parent here who wrote in to say my ADHD son is in high school so this is in the US and he draws during lessons to try and keep himself in check but then he misses the point and this is where I've had difficulty and I feel that uh, my children aren't concentrating because they're too busy on their particular characters or faces that that they're drawing 
but the response was quite interesting. It said, for some students, again, to do with focus, but it looks, it's, looks like it's not working in this case. And I wonder if he would consider even taking notes. Now, whether you agree or disagree with, with the answer to this, you can, you can tell me what you think. Even if they're sloppy or hard to read during lessons instead of drawing, the writing will reduce his impulsivity and possibly help him focus on the teacher's words. Again, debatable. Other options are using a keyboard to type up during class. That might be more of an option in secondary, but in primary, we don't always have the laptops available, so well, problematic. And uh, recording lessons, that comes with its own pitfalls as, as well. We're not allowed to record in class. I don't know if, whether you are allowed to, you might be. One of the benefits is that you can listen back to it. Now, I know that there are people in university and certainly on their, on the PGCE with me that did record lectures because they were allowed to, but that was at university. Whether that could be something that happens in lessons or not, I don't know. You'd have to, you'd have to let me know what you think about that. But I also wanted to draw your attention to some of the responses I've had on Twitter as well, because... I found the variety of these absolutely fascinating, and I'm just going to make sure I can find them first of all. So bear with me a moment, and I will definitely scroll through and find them. Do, 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 do. There were a lot of tweets on this, which is why I've got to find the right ones. Ah, here we go. Fantastic. Right there in front of me. So the original tweet that I sent out for the show was... Teachers, what are your feelings on children doodling in your class? If you're giving input, do you allow them to draw on whiteboards? I know in some cases it helps kids focus, but on other occasions I feel some of them might be taking the mickey. And that was then when I, after these responses, when I decided to turn it into my show. And so the responses are varied and you can see what you think. And please do interject at any point. Faye Griffith said to me that she didn't like fidget toys, but if you do research into the value of doodling, you'll see it's definitely an aid to learning, not oppositional. A lot of stuff on embodiment is about relational cor corporal, make sure you can read Lucy, experiences and mental loop processes. And I think, I think I've got the book in front of me, uh, Oliver Caviglioli, I always murder his name when I say I'm sorry, Oliver, if you ever listen to this, talks about that as well in his uh, Dual Coding with Teachers book, which, by the way, I'll come back to and talk about again in the show, because in terms of being able to turn doodling around and make it a useful tool, I think that is one of the greatest books out there on that, but more on that later. So what else have we got? Um, Laura got in touch with me to say that she finds doodling helps her uh, and allowed kids to, to fidget if they needed to, but she had to confiscate a poppet toy uh, because that she found that difficult when she was in control of a class. And I think maybe, again, this is where teachers almost have to, in some cases and with certain children, accept the lesser of two evils. Would you rather have a child sitting there with a fidget toy or would you rather have them sitting there doodling? But then the other side to that argument is, of course, what works for the child. It's kind of, you know, what what are we trying to accommodate here? Now, whilst I fully, fully endorse the fact that we have to accommodate children's needs and things like that, you've still got to be able to teach. And that's just fact. 
So what else have we got? Um, it depends why they're doing it, but they are kids though. Again, yes, they are, but we've still got to, we've still got to teach them. Um, Craig said to me, it, if it's sliding to the point of being unproductive, then I'd step in. If they're doing a healthy mixture, then I'd okay it. Finding the balance is key, isn't it always? Plus, you don't want to be too bossy and it compounds the issue. Treat them as if they're your own. Interesting approach. Um, Kaylee, who's been a guest on this show before, said split attention issues. I don't allow it unless it's a known need for them to concentrate as advised by SEND. Again, it's difficult because even if you've got, I've got children in my class, well, as we all do, different ranges of abilities, needs, etc. I, even if I had a situation where only certain children were allowed to doodle, that's never going to fly with my class because their argument is they don't care whether you need it or you don't need it. If one person is allowed to do it, then why aren't the rest of us? And of course, you can justify yourself until you're blue in the face. And sometimes it's easier just to pick your battles and not fight that one. But I get what she's saying. And she happens to be a secondary teacher. So maybe it's a bit different to my primary experience. Krista, on the other hand, I encourage doodling 99% of the time. The 1% is for when it causes a problem. And then we have a conversation. No reason to discourage creativity unless it interferes with a class activity. Now, of course, again, I think we said in the beginning that one of the pros of doodling is that it sparks that creative flow, is that it gets those creative juices flowing. And because children learn in different ways, if I'm being a real taskmaster and saying, oh, well, no, I don't want any of you doodling, am I cutting them off at the knees too soon? So I did level with that comment as well. Rob just saying, hmm, it's a tough one. That didn't really help much. Thanks, Rob, though, for your input. Uh, interesting question. So this came from someone in a senior role. As an adult, it, it really helps me. It grounds me. It helps me focus. So I think also those adults and teachers who are doodlers themselves, I think are more empathetic and sympathetic when it comes to child doodlers. And perhaps where my lack of empathy for it comes is the fact that because it doesn't do anything for me and never has I don't fully appreciate what it might do for somebody else which is a fatal error my friends someone else who read doodling as drooling not what we want uh I don't agree with fidget toys fidget toys try saying that's fast or doodling they're just a distraction which snowballs into others controversial my response to that was it was difficult because I understand, I understood that view, but I also acknowledge that children learn in different ways and I often worry I'm not accommodating enough. I think we all do. Yet I feel in order to cope and run a functional classroom, there is a line that has to be drawn. Now, of course, there. <laughs> I've just realised the funny in that. Yeah, there is a line that has to be drawn. So, you know, when when is it OK? When is it not OK? And then Claire Grosvenor, who I actually wanted to talk to prior to this show, and I haven't had a chance to, but as and when, well, she's an incredibly busy person. She has started actually trying to turn this on its head. And again, something I'll come back to a bit later. Uh, so it's not doodling as such, but kind of part of her whole teaching process. And she actually sent me a uh, lovely example that she did, which I will also try and remember to retweet at the end of this show. Um, 
Ali Youssef said to me, I have a student who does this, high achieving. Uh, she does it all the time, even when being spoken to. The first time I caught her doing it, I asked her about it and she nearly started crying. So I backed off. I've spoken with her about it since. Um, so I've, yeah, I don't, again, it's difficult because I find when I ask children about what they're drawing, they're just, it's usually characters and things like that. And they say, oh, just because I like them just because I like them. It's not really, either they don't necessarily have the vocabulary or the understanding to explain why they're doing it. It just, for them, is something that is a release. Uh, Counterintuitively doodling, so this is from Ewan McCarthy. I think I've got that right. Uh, doodling has been shown to have, a to have had a positive or no impact on retention of either process or content information retention. Can't remember if it was Dylan William, who I know is also a friend of the show, or D.T. Willingham, who I heard read Exploring this recently, but it's worth checking out. Well, Dylan William is a, is a font of knowledge on so many things, so definitely worth looking into, and I'm sure be sure to check that out as well. Uh, <laughs> in response to my, uh, my, my thinking they're taking the mickey, if they were taking the mickey, they would soon get bored. Concentrate on your delivery and especially good questions. Fair enough. So maybe with the ones that are doodling, I should just pick my battles and, well, I say pick my battles. Maybe I should just leave them alone to get on with it. Maybe that is the answer. I don't know. Uh, my response to that was sage advice and good, and good questioning is everything, which it is in teaching. It comes back time and time again, doesn't it? And maybe that's, I don't know if any of the other hosts have talked about questioning in classes recently, but I'm sure it's been done. If not, Maybe I'll put a pin in that for another episode as well. And I find this happens a lot when I'm doing Teachers Talk Radio is that I'm talking about one thing and as I go along, so many other thoughts pop into my head about potential for other conversations, which of course I invariably forget about. Because I don't listen back to my own show, I forget that I've had these ideas in the first place. So anyone else who is listening and wants to remind me of all these things that I've put a pin in, please do, because it will help. What else have we got? Depends on the pupil, situation and the impact. If it's not disrupting or taking away from the lesson, then I don't see a huge issue. If it helps them concentrate, then it, should, then it could improve their learning. I have scrap paper they could doodle on and it keeps the jotter tidy. Now, I do have a real peeve when it comes to doodling in their, on, their, on their actual schoolwork. And I think it's more a peeve that stems from maybe being back in the UK and being in schools where books had to be absolutely pristine and you couldn't have any frayed edges, you couldn't have any sort of things stuck the wrong way, you couldn't have uh, pages that had been missed out. I remember watching a particular, I think it might have been a deputy head or a head teacher, ripping pages out of books to... Um, to if they miss pages or sticking pages together I remember furiously sticking pages together myself before book looks and things like that because they had to look a certain way and god forbid you had missed something that a child had doodled in a corner honestly so I think maybe that is a sort of a hangover from that rather than an actual peeve I need to maybe consider that more more but I I've definitely kind of kept that and said, no, 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 if it's your schoolwork, it has to, it has to be a certain way, but maybe it's time to unclench. I don't know. So my initial answer to this, and I've seen it suggested uh, in my tweets as well as um, by other teachers who I've worked with, and I have given my children doodle books. 
And I've sort of said to them, you know, these are your yours to do with as you please. But the problem I found with that is that as soon as a piece of work is finished, or as soon as they feel they've finished a piece of work, can I use my doodle book? Can I use my doodle book? Can I use my doodle book? And so it's become something that's almost a hindrance now rather than me thinking I was being really clever and solving a problem. But I don't think I'm going to take them away because I have no need to. And actually, if I'm firm with it, and I say, you can doodle after, you know, you've had a look at this, checked your spelling, whatever it is, and the particular piece of work they're doing, then actually, in truth, I don't see the harm in, in that regard at all. Uh, another response, I'm in SEN, small groups. I let them doodle whenever I read a novel to them. They're listening and discuss the text. Doodling helps them focus. So another advocate for helping focus there. Um, someone else said, uh, uh, I'm dyspraxic. My school and university notes were covered in doodles. It helped me concentrate and or stay awake. So university notes, it doesn't matter because no one sees those. The only time it was unhelpful was when we abandoned the lecture and played squares or tally charting the ums of a lecturer. 20 per minute, in fact. He was fab in small groups. Yes, I actually do remember at university. I think that maybe that's where I should have, at one, another point, I should have known I had ADHD when I was counting certain isms of, uh, of lecturers. And I do have a, a, a vivid recollection of, of doing that rather than doodling. So... Maybe that was uh, that was what I did instead. I don't know. I don't know. But I just, I think it's it's incredibly. The responses have been incredibly interesting, incredibly different, and I haven't really been able to draw any conclusions from that. But what has just occurred to me is something I'd actually forgotten about, not really put two and two together with. And actually, one of my serial doodlers who. I often think is also half asleep. And I don't mean to do him any disservice. He's a great kid. And really you know, nice, really kind of uh, very into his surfing, very sort of a bit like the turtle out of Finding Nemo. He's very kind of dude, very chilled, very nice vibe. Um, and very bright. But he, I don't think, well, I know, school's not his first love. And he is possibly my worst doodler. Like every time the whiteboards and pens come out, he is drawing, doodling something. He goes through whiteboard pens like I've never seen a child go through whiteboard pens ever. And I think that is another thing that drives me mad. It's not necessarily the doodling. And as I unpack this more in my own mind, it's more the wasting of resources, I think, in that respect. Again, not because we should be able to provide kids with with everything they need in school. But I think that's another another hangover from being in the UK saying, right, you're allocated this number of glue sticks, whiteboard pens, da, 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 and you will not have any more until the order comes through in 2024. So yeah, I think I do need to unclench a little bit on that as well. But interestingly, he in the arithmetic test we've just done today, he got full marks. So and he even turns me, and uh, I did have to bite my tongue. He turned to me today after he'd done it. He said, "I know I've got ten out of 10. And I thought, "Oh, that's a bold thing." So I didn't, I didn't kind of really, I didn't react to it. And uh, lo and behold, he did. And this is the kid who, every time we're doing an example on the board, or every time I think he's not listening, he must be taking something in. So I think he proved he proved a point today, and 
good for him. At 10 years old, he outwitted his teacher. So I'm all for that. And uh, maybe one day I will, maybe not while he's in my class, maybe one day I'll tell him he outwitted me on that. I think it would give him great joy. Lawrence has chimed in to say, colouring whiteboards in black is not constructive doodling. No, it isn't. And you know what's worse about, and this is going to turn into a rant about whiteboards, they have many, many pluses. And I do think that used in the inverted commas right way, they can be very effective. However, there's a whole host of nightmare that comes with them. Ineffective doodling for one. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this, uh, Lawrence, where they spin the whiteboard. And while it's spinning, they put the pen in the middle. And then it kind of draws its own spiral. That's a favourite of most of my children. The other one, and the one that drives me possibly most balmy of all, is them using their sleeves to uh, rub out because, and believe it or not, they all got a mini board rubber at the start of the year, but of course, as these things do, have gone missing. School haven't replaced them, I haven't replaced them. So, bless their hearts, really, what are they supposed to do? Um, and I don't really want them using the, the tissues in the classroom because that's not what they're there for. So, of course, they end up using their sleeves and end up just with looking like they've been up the chimney um, because they're covered in sort of black smudges. Uh, they also, uh, because they don't rub out well, they also stain the tables as well. So you end up with black splodges all over the tables. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's <laughs> it can be very problematic. I mean, I, I don't really know how to get around that. And then I, I have got to the point in the past where those who have, in my mind, really misused pens. And again, I feel like every time I sort of I confess these things uh, on Teachers Talk Radio, I feel like I'm even more of a terrible teacher. But I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm comforted by the fact that it can't just be me. And there have been occasions where children have farted around too much and I've just said, right, you're not having uh, another whiteboard, uh, another whiteboard pen, you can use scrap paper and a pencil. But then, you know, it's just as easy to doodle with pencil and paper as it is on a whiteboard. So am I really solving any problems apart from the smutty shirt sleeves? Probably not. Lawrence again, yep, I've seen that. And long white shirt sleeves, obviously. Oh, yes, of course. It has to be long white shirt sleeves. All their pale grey jumpers that they wear at my school, yeah. It's uh it's a nightmare. And then they get when I tell them off for it, they're like, but well, we don't have a board rubber. I'm like, well, you do have a point, but don't use your sleeves. Well, how are we supposed to rub out then? Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I can't help you there. So hopefully I will get more board rubbers in and avoid sending children home. Absolutely filthy. So, so far we've talked about kind of a lots of pros and cons with, with doodling, but I didn't just want to spend the show kind of weighing up whether it's right or wrong, because I think you're always going to have both sides of the argument. You're always going to have the teachers that really, really endorse it. You're also going to have the teachers who are mean old bags like me, who have been kind of trying to keep a lid on it. And I think as I've done the research and as I've talked to more people, I am op more open to the idea of it and I'm more open to being less of a taskmaster about it. But I didn't just want to leave it there. I wanted to see if, okay, so we've got this, we've got this doodling thing that children like to do, some, not all, but a lot of children do. And given the opportunity, a lot of them are going to do so. So instead of fighting it why not embrace it 
so I had a look into some research and again my my Google history is absolutely hilarious with the kind of things I I type in uh can you use doodling in a lesson is doodling effective for teaching but you know with why not I thought why not why why could why could it not and as I mentioned uh Oliver's book earlier I mean it's a bit more advanced than than what, what I would describe as doodling but there's also other research that really does advocate actually turning this on its head and instead of deciding that you don't want children to do it how can you use it effectively so after some digging I found uh an article from we are teachers and it's I like this I like this article a lot because it does it does things in short and concise bullet pointed lists which when you don't want to read reams and reams of information is absolutely great and it's entitled eight ways to get started with doodling in the classroom and I'm not going to read you all of the suggestions but some of the ones that stuck out to me and I think just before I go into this I think the reason Again, I've avoided things like doodling and using pictures and stuff like that. It's because I'm a terrible artist, okay? Which is, which devastates me because there are two things I wish I could do in this life and that is draw and sing and I can do neither well, which is a primary teacher. And when I had this glorious vision of becoming a, the sort of the Miss Honey of the teaching world, as I think many of us do, uh, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice to sit at the piano and break into song or play the guitar? How whimsical I know, but dare to dream. What can I say? And uh, I think, yeah, part of the 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 reason I don't ever indulge in any kind of doodling or drawing is because I've never been any good at it or in my mind I've never been any good at it and from a young age I was told I wasn't good at it not by my parents or anybody like that in fact I did the cram I used to design the family Christmas card for years design is a loose term but you know my parents would send out color photocopies of my scratchings and doodlings and drawings and people seem to oh, how, how delightful is that a is that a cracker or is that a turkey I'm not quite sure and they were always very charming about it as they are when you're four but yeah I've always sort of grown up without with a with a fear of of art to the point where I'll never forget my year nine art teacher said to me you're not planning to take GCSE art are you Lucy because I don't think it'd be a good idea for you uh, I had no intention of taking GCSER ever, but she confirmed for me that it was perhaps not for me. And I think that's kind of, again, stuck with me and resonated with me. And so anytime I go to draw anything on the wall, I just think, no, I'll describe it instead, or I'll put up a picture of something I found online. I won't attempt to do anything like that. Whereas one of the year six teachers who's next door to, to my classroom is forever doing fun sort of bits of artwork on his board are they particularly good no they're not do they get his point across yes they do anyway I digress again so here I found this really helpful back to this we are teachers article it said start with the basics that's what I like to hear no drawing experience no problem. Use simple shapes and stick figures. Oh, I can do them to get your point across. Dan Rome, a visual thinking advocate and the author of Draw to Win, suggests using the following five simple shapes. Square, circle, triangle, line and blob. Not quite clear on what blob is, but I suppose blob could be anything as well as being quite fun to say. Blob. Sorry. 
moving on. Uh, these basic shapes and stick figures provide students with a basis from which to start drawing, which they do. And again, I think that there are many ways you could use those shapes to draw pretty much anything you needed to. Um, oh, here's one that's intriguing. Offering a doodling lesson. Now, I feel you'd have to set the parameters of this quite carefully because otherwise it could descend into chaos and I can already picture me pitching this if you like to year five and say we're going to have a doodling lesson and they would basically take that to mean right Miss, Miss Newberger's is going to stop talking we're basically going to get to draw for an hour but what they actually suggest is at first students may not even know where to begin doodling uh, it might seem odd to do a lesson on doodling, but it's not. During a lesson, provide students with explicit examples of what or when to doodle. So I think that's what they mean. That's what the, the parameters would be. Say things like, this might be a good time to sketch your thoughts or try visualizing this concept as a doodle. Now that's something I've never done either. I'm a great one for mind maps and things like that or um, planning things on a kind of journey, but I'm that person that will use words and I won't I won't kind of scribble little things to go with them but maybe I can incorporate it into what I'm already doing uh replace worksheets with doodling oh well I despise worksheets as I'm sure many of you do and uh, I actually in a previous school was banned from using them uh even if you did well no you could use them but you weren't allowed to stick them in books. You weren't allowed to have any evidence. They had to copy out questions. Oh, gosh, nightmare. So are students tired of doing worksheets? Yes. Uh, are you tired of marking worksheets? Well, yes, I'm not the world's greatest marker as is. Replace worksheets with doodles. Allow students to submit doodles instead of taking notes or filling out worksheets. Doodling can be a good alternative to this. And again, I think that is possible. But I think you'd have to be very... You'd still have to have scaffolding parameters in which, because otherwise I worry that, and this is maybe my cynicism about my own class setting in, that I'd get handed in, goodness only knows what, you know, I'd get handed in doodles that were absolutely nothing to do with the lesson or the content or whatever it is we happen to be doing. So I think, I yeah. On a base level, I don't have a problem with that, but I think you'd have to introduce it to your class carefully and you'd have to be, although you're giving them some creative freedom, I think you'd still have to be very clear kind of the kinds of things you want. You'd at the very least have to give them an outline or a jumping off point, which I suppose, as they say, start with the basics and and go from there. But uh, I definitely think that could be something worth looking into. So I'm quite intrigued by that one as well. And then this kind of develops further into talking about concept maps and things like that. And of course, I'm sure there are many of you listening or listening back to this either as primary or secondary teachers who are already using concept maps. I know that uh, other teachers online have sent me examples of how they've used visual aids within their, their own modeling as well as their students' work. So it absolutely can be done. Um, and it says here, when introducing new concepts, have students create visual representations of content. Uh, creating a concept or mind map can help students understand and retain information. And we know that from different styles of, of, of learner as well. So I think if nothing else, from my research, what I've learned is that I kind of need to get over myself a bit and maybe accept that actually doodling can be very useful, very purposeful, 
So I don't know. I don't. I think I think there's some food for thought there. Certainly in that article, which I will also post as well. Another one that I've got here, which is the purpose, no, the power and purpose of doodling. And apparently it's a very in thing at the moment. And uh, I agree with this because, I mean, anyone who's seen the whole bullet journal craze, uh, I know children of mine are forever kind of, you know, they've got little notebooks in their in their trays or in their in their little lockers that they're forever getting out of break time or oh, can I go and get my my pencil and do this and can I go and get my my doodle book that I've given them or whatever so uh you know it's I suppose that it is an in thing an in vogue thing and a reminder that it doesn't mean disconnecting and that actually if you harness the power of this as an academic asset they say in this article uh once again referring to that study Jackie Andrade study at the, at the beginning which I don't think should necessarily be the go-to go-to study, but hey, a lot of people seem to mention it about, you know, doodling helps you remember boring things. Uh, so engaging our executive resources with doodles while we're listening to, to something can definitely help enhance your lessons. Um, and for those of you who say doodling isn't art, you're missing the point. It's a form of expression and it triggers insights and discoveries that aren't just possible with words alone. Well, there you go. All the more reason to embrace it, I guess. Just think of all those napkins or post-its on which multi-million dollar ideas were sketched out. And I know that I've got some very entrepreneurial children in my class. I mean, granted, there are a few of them who want to be YouTubers. They haven't established what they're going to vlog or what they're going to YouTube about. They just want to be on YouTube. But who am I to shatter a child's dream? Um, and as teachers or indeed art teachers, we should be teaching our students not to just make art, but to think artistically and to develop understandings in all kinds of capacities. And I think, again, this is where maybe I have let myself and my students down in the past by not thinking artistically because of my own fears and being trapped by my own thoughts. And I almost I feel terrible in a way because it's it's sad to think that maybe there's been missed opportunities where I could have taught things in a much more enlightening and, and visual way. So my homework from this show, and I don't know if you feel the same, but certainly my homework in this is to definitely try and see if I can employ any of these ideas, tactics, strategies into my own teaching. And I will report back and let you know. Uh, how, how I get on could be a disaster I don't know whether I'm ready to go for a doodling lesson yet as such but maybe part of a lesson we'll see we'll see I'm, I'm going to toy around with some ideas but actually my partner teacher uh, the other year five teacher is incredibly creative so maybe she'll be able to help me out and formulate my thoughts with that uh, another article I've got here from Evelyn Learning uh where's the bit i'm looking for see i i did everything uh in in highlighters but i <laughs> maybe i am a doodler because it's all in different colored highlighters but now i can't find the bit that i want um this is usually the point as well where I, i'm unable to read read my notes but luckily my notes are quite legible today uh it says yes Again, it reiterates the point that instead of dismissing doodling, use it as an effective learning tool uh, and help children become more active, more active learners. So there is so much to say on this. And I've now got papers scattered all around me 
mostly with very, very positive feelings towards doodling. Um, and the final bit of research actually came from, uh, I found it on the Post-it Notes website, believe it or not, because mostly I think because, and this goes back to everything, having an agenda and us being aware of everything we consume, that they absolutely do advocate the uh, doodle revolution, as they call it, and uh, that children love to doodle, and that if you want to do so, then please use X, Y, and Z products, um, including post-it super sticky dry erase sheets. Students can have their own dry erase space, so basically a whiteboard, and doodle throughout lessons. So what a way to flog your products. There you go. Not that I'm trying to be cynical again, but I just think that's quite funny that uh, goes to show you can find anything to fit your chosen agenda. But uh, yeah, so those are my thoughts on doodling and where I'm at with it. I think if nothing else, maybe we should all try and embrace it a little bit more. I've certainly altered my thinking in the last few days, even though I found myself telling off uh, said child who I mentioned um, who got who did one of his arithmetic tests. I found myself telling him off this week, but having explored this research with you and unpacked it a little bit more, I do think there is space for me to to use this more and maybe for you as well. Does it fit into everything? No, it doesn't. Does it? Uh, is it relevant in everything you teach? No. And I think that, again, this is where we do have to be mindful in that it'd be very easy to say, right, you need to include this in everything you do, because then it becomes stressful. And then it becomes, I think, almost a bit redundant as well. But to be able to work it into certain things and to use it in an effective way once in a while or uh, during a particular topic, great. So I think that's where I'm going to going to start. Uh, I don't think that my maths lessons are going to become visual works of art anytime soon, but I certainly think uh, science lessons or topic lessons might be a good starting point, maybe even English as well. And uh, I'll try and post some photos as well and see how I get on. But you must be kind, all right, because we are going to be talking basics. I mean, circles and blobs and squares are going to be where we're at for a while until until the confidence increases. Um, and then who knows, the possibilities may be endless. But uh, I certainly have some children in my class who I think really would get a kick out of using doodling in class. So we'll see. We'll see where we end up. Right. I think that we will conclude for today because I think we have talked about, well, we've explored lots of different areas of doodling. But if you do want to add to the conversation, you can find my Twitter feed, which is at LucyU, L-U-C-E-E-N-E-U. You can listen back to this as well. It'll be on Podbean tomorrow. It'll be on Spotify tomorrow as well. I know that uh, somebody can't remember which contributor it was to the Twitter feed, but I know she was gutted she couldn't listen in today. But I have uh, reassured her that if she has any downtime later on in the week, then she can, of course, listen to the ramblings at another time. But all that remains for me to say this evening is that after me, there's no Libby, I believe, but there is uh, Rich Wrigley. 
later on, who I think is on at about 10 o'clock tonight. I'm not quite sure what exactly he's talking about, but he has referred to in his promo that it'll be the same pedagogical nonsense as usual. What he means by that, I don't know, because actually he is incredibly entertaining to listen to. So there's no nonsense involved there. So if you do happen to be around at 10 o'clock tonight and need, need some uh, easy listening, but obviously thought provoking as well, then do give that a listen as well. Um, next week, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about, to be honest. But if you have any ideas, I'm always open to hearing from you. I would also love to get some guests going again. It seems to be difficult at the moment to get people to want to come and talk to me. I don't know if it's because I've scared everybody off or because people are just incredibly busy at the moment. But if you or you know of somebody else that would love to come and have a chat about any particular subject, I do definitely want to have some conversations relating to primary maths at some point. I also want to look at primary RE because, funnily enough, it's not actually even taught in, in my school at the moment, but I feel it should be. So if you have feelings on that, let me know. Very interested in anything to do with teacher well-being, CBD, C CBD, no, CPD. <laughs> very different things cpd gosh that was a slip wasn't it never mind you knew what i meant um but yes lots of different subject areas or if it's not in that list and you just want to have somebody to bounce off i'm always open to to different discussions so please let me know but in the meantime have a lovely rest of the week i'm off to figure out what i'm going to do with the rest of this roast chicken and i will speak to you all soon <laughs> have a lovely evening everybody Bye-bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.